0: Some people think that you can become a Christian and then live as you like, and there'll be no consequences. You're under grace, not law. You're under grace. You can have a license to sin. That's so far from the truth. Rather, now that you're a Christian, now that you call on God your Father, He's your judge, and He will train you. He will take the rod of correction, and He will correct you. And so this is holy fear, healthy fear. This is the right fear that every Christian should have. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and today we're continuing our theme in the book of 1 Peter, looking at redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus, not by silver or gold, or any other earthly thing, but by the precious blood of Christ. The most valuable thing in the world is the blood of Jesus. It redeems the souls of men, and one soul is worth more than the whole world. We have a couple of hymns today we'll be singing. Uh, I sing the mighty power of God, and also thanks to God for my redeemer we begin firstly on why be a christian and we're asking this question each day and giving a particular answer to it because this is the very essence of christianity why be a christian and today we turn to another answer on why be a christian you need to become a christian because you need a miracle you may have heard the hymn, It Took a Miracle to Save My Soul. The first answer goes like this, My Father is omnipotent, and that you can't deny. A God of might and miracles, tis written in the sky. It took a miracle to save my soul. Christianity is a supernatural work of saving souls. It is the power of God choosing, calling and converting men to become sons of God. Just as the natural life in the womb is a miracle, for who can tell how the bones are formed in the womb? So salvation is God's work in the soul of man. It is not man working his way into the favor of God. The Ten Commandments are not a ladder into heaven. That would be like playing snakes and ladders, and every time you sin, you fall to the bottom. To reach heaven would be impossible and salvation is an impossibility by trying to keep the works of the law. The law is emphasized as a teacher to convince us of sin and guide us to our almighty Savior. The law was not given as a Savior. It is only a mirror to reveal the filth of our sins. The law is needful to reveal sin's guilt and crime, but it cannot redeem. It takes a miracle to save one soul. It took the eternal wisdom of God and the power of God to devise the covenant of redemption. It took a divine person to step in to redeem our souls. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, took human nature to perform the great miracle of our redemption. The miracle of the creation of the world is called the finger work of God, whereas the work of redemption, is called the arm of the Lord. It is a miracle of grace because God initiates it. We love Him because He first loved us. We come to faith because the Spirit stirs faith within us. We come to Christ because He draws us with the gracious cords of love. It's a miracle of regeneration, for our hearts are changed, meaning the seat of our desires— The will that was turned to rebellion is turned to holy desires. Old things pass away, and all things become new. And all of this is a miracle through the Lord Jesus. He is the mediator of it, the author and finisher of our faith. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. You need to be a Christian to know the miracle. And only... When the Lord Jesus is Lord of your life, are you given his divine power. He must be in you to overcome the world. The Bible says to each born-again Christian, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Yes, you need a miracle. listening to let the bible speak we come now to our message today on first peter chapter 1 verses 18 to 20 just let me read these verses for as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. The precious blood of Christ. There is no sweeter, there is no more valuable theme than the blood of Jesus. And I trust today you will stay tuned with us right through the program, that you will listen to the message, and at the end we'll give you some of the announcements of our uh, radio broadcast, our ministry here, our church in Cloverdale, and uh, also the word on profiting from the word by Arthur W. Pink—a little book that we're making available here on "Let the Bible Speak." Now we turn to our message, First 1 Peter 1:18, 1, 19, 20. The logical flow of our message is on the very blood of our Lord Jesus, but I do want to do something a little different. Firstly. I want to give you an outline of these verses 13 to the end of the chapter. Uh, this is more in the format of a Bible study, but uh, I think it may help us to get a grasp of the uh, intent of the writer. Now, that's something you have to do in Bible study. You have to work out what is the reason Peter is saying these things. It's not just enough to say, well, it's in the Bible. What? caused Peter to say these things, what was he seeking to achieve? What was his purpose in writing? And this outline, I hope, will help us tonight. And I think you'll come to the same conclusion as I have, that these were given to show our need for loyalty, loyalty to the living God, the God of our salvation, you will see this in verse 13, because of our salvation from A to Z. Uh, we're to gird up the loins of our minds, we are told, and to hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought. And so there is the revelation of the Lord Jesus. And we are to be loyal to God because there's, Christ is coming, and he's going to reveal himself and this hope that is in us causes a loyalty to God. Then verse 14 is loyalty because of our sonship in the family of God as obedient children. Now, we're a child in the family. We ought to be loyal, and we ought to fear the Lord our God. That comes into it as well. Verse 15 and 16 were to be imitators of God as dear children, as We be holy as he is holy. And so, again, this is loyalty. We are to be uh, sons imitating our heavenly Father who is holy. Verse 17: loyal to God because he's to be revered, he is to be worshipped in fear. And he's a judge, he's a righteous judge. He will always do right and he will never excuse the evil. So we need to be loyal to him. Verses 18 through 21, which we want to look at tonight, is loyalty to God because we're bought, not by the worthless means of gold and silver, but by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. We have been redeemed at such great cost, brought out of the slavery of sin and now made to be servants of God. Verse 19 to 25, because of our regeneration by the Word, we are now uh, brought into the very uh, presence of God and regenerated by the power of the Word. Verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed. And so tonight, the whole theme is our loyalty to God, serving him, seeking to be holy as he is holy, holding on. And we come to this great reason, because we are redeemed. Now, verse 18 says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, I want us to do a little word study on this word redeemed. And to help us, I'm going to give you four letters, V-A-P-P, V-A-P-P. Firstly, this word redeemed is a verb. We have been redeemed. To redeem is to buy out. And it means action. God has done something. The A stands for a Greek term, aorist. It's done once. Once. God has done something once. Redeemed. The other P is that we were passive. Redeemed. Really, we had nothing to do with it. In fact, the redemption had taken place before we were even born. 2,000 years ago at the cross, we were redeemed by the blood, the death of the Lord Jesus. And the other P is plural. Peter is writing to many Christians. They're scattered abroad. And for everyone that is a Christian, that is a child of God, it applies to us, each and every one of us. And God has done something, for each and every one of his children in redeeming our souls. Now, the great example, of course, of this redemption, it invariably takes us back to Egypt, the children of Israel coming out of the bondage under Pharaoh into the wonderful liberty of freedom as Israelites right out of Egypt. And they were redeemed. And we know how God did it. They didn't do it themselves. They couldn't do it. And even though they had left the country and gone three, three days, Pharaoh was coming after them. And until God opened the Red Sea and brought them out with a great deliverance to prove God did this for his people. And then when he brought them through, he said, I am the Lord your God that have redeemed you. And then he says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not take my name in vain. Thou shalt not uh, have any other gods before me. Thou shalt uh, honor father and mother. Thou shalt keep the Sabbath day. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not uh, commit adultery. Thou shalt not bear false witness. And thou shalt not covet. All those ten commandments. Loyalty to God was the immediate Response of the people to the Lord. Now, the other side of this, and Peter mentions it here in verse 18, he says, With corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation. That means empty lifestyle. Vain conversation means empty lifestyle. And if we go back to the Israelites in Egypt, what an empty life they had. Serving Pharaoh making bricks in the heat of the sun and no personal rewards whatsoever. It was an empty life. Now, that was the life of the Israelites in Egypt before they were redeemed, and it's the life of every sinner before he is saved. A prodigal life. The word prodigal means to waste, to squander, And when you're not living for God, you're living a squanderous, prodigal life. We're not just talking about the beggars on the street, those squeegee kids that run up and want to clean your window for a dollar. We're not talking about those who have living out of a cardboard box and they have an empty life in that sense. We're talking about the the high, important nobles, politicians, leaders of the world— We're talking about Hollywood stars, those that the statistics show are the highest category of suicide. Empty lives, aimless lives. If you were to go up to some of these people and ask them, what are you living for? They couldn't tell you. They really are living, empty, aimless lives. Now, Ecclesiastes says that all is vanity of vanities. Ecclesiastes also said that, the preacher said, that God has put eternity in the heart of man. And only God can fill that. Only the Christian has got a purpose to live. The whirling, the ungodly, the unseaved, they are living aimlessly. And so the Christian has been delivered out of uh, vanity, out of empty living, we now have a purpose to live. And that brings us to loyalty to God. Loyalty to God. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. Let me speak to you firstly about the powerlessness of silver and gold to save your soul. As for motivation, gold has tremendous power. You talk about loyalty, you talk about drive. Those who set themselves to be rich by seeking gold, gold prospectors, they have a life story of their own. I've been reading a little of the story of the Klondike, the the gold rush. Uh, at the end of the 1800s. The major strike was in 1897. And there were those that were closing in and getting near uh, this strike of gold. But some lived for years and years and years in in lives of, uh, of seeking, searching, but never found. They lived in hardship, frostbite. They lived wild lives. Some of them gave up, some of them died, never finding a thing. There were others who found a little, but between alcoholism and gold going to their heads, they lost everything. I read a story of a man stumbling into Circle City, as it was called, it's still on the map, it was given that name because they actually believed that it was on the, the Arctic Circle, although it has later been proven to be about 50 miles or kilometers south of it. But in Circle City, there stumbled in this man in a snowstorm in freezing temperatures. He was half frozen to death. He had left his friend up the trail, uh, buried him in a snowbank to try and preserve him, and stumbled into town in the snowstorm and sent a few people back to fetch his friend, who later died. But they asked him, "Why did you come through the snowstorm?" And he said, "Gold." And that was the breaking news of a gold strike in the Klondike Valley. In a very short time, Circle City was a ghost town. Everybody had just abandoned everything and went up the Chilcoot Pass to find this gold down in the Klondike. There were some who found their fortunes, some who lost fortunes. But there's one thing for sure, men were driven. Driven, make their stakes, dig their trenches, and in the freezing temperatures of that winter, they actually had to get logs set them on fire to thaw out the ground as they dug for gold. It was bitter hardship. Some who made their fortunes, it drove them crazy. Some came back exceedingly rich, but they're all dead now. Their gold can't save their soul. And that's what Peter tells us here. We are not redeemed by silver and gold. They can never buy a soul out of the slavery of sin. An ancient cleric once wrote of heaven that it is a place with so much gold that when pilgrims arrived, all gowned in gold, that they would be considered beggars. Gold has no value in heaven whatsoever. It's very interesting to notice that Peter calls gold corruptible. You're not redeemed by such corruptible things as silver and gold. Gold is one of the metals best known today that it does not corrode. It is used in electronics and electrical contact because it keeps clean and it doesn't corrode and therefore it conducts electricity and and, uh, signals very, very well. It is one of the best metals that it doesn't corrode another reason why it's used in dentistry and so on but Peter calls it here corruptible thing as silver and gold it will burn up it will not last now today of course the monetary scheme is no longer built upon the value of gold gold trades on the international markets And it goes up and down, not by really the gold bar, but by the confidence of traders. And Peter's message is that worldly men will spend their lives for gold. They will go through any hardship for gold and silver. And we are redeemed by the blood of Christ, which is invaluable, incomparable to those corrosive, corruptible metals of this world. Where's your loyalty? Where's your loyalty? The worldly man will seek gold and silver with all the energy and drive that he can muster. You and I also ought to cleave to the Lord and to the gospel with all our hearts. Now, our lives are changed by the gospel no longer an aimless, pointless, uh, what does Peter call it here, this empty conversation of your lives uh, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. We've given that. We have a new life because we're
1: redeemed.
0: We've been mentioning this book, uh, Profiting from the Word, by Arthur W. Pink, and I want to bring you just another little excerpt uh, from it. It's on, The Word of God creates a deeper reverence for God's commandments. Sin entered this world by Adam's breaking of God's law, and all his fallen children are begotten in his depraved likeness. Sin is the transgression of the law. 1 John 3, 4 Sin is a species of high treason, spiritual anarchy, It is the repudiation of God's dominion, the setting aside of his authority, rebellion against his will. Sin is having our own way. Now salvation is deliverance from sin, from its guilt, from its power, as well as its penalty. The same spirit who convicts of the need of God's grace also convicts of the need of God's government to rule us. God's promise to his covenant people is, I will put my laws into their mind. And write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God. A spirit of obedience is communicated to every regenerated soul. Said Christ, If a man love me, he will keep my words. There is the test. Hereby we do know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, none of us keeps them perfectly. Yet every real Christian both desires and strives to do so. He says with Paul, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. He says, With the psalmist I have chosen the way of thy truth, thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage for and teaching, which lowers God's authority, which ignores his commands, which affirms that the Christian is, in no sense, under the law, is of the devil. No matter how oily mouth his human instrument may be, Christ has redeemed his people from the curse of the law, and not from the command of it. He has saved them from the wrath of God, but not from his government. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. Never has been and never will be repealed. A little extract from the book, Profiting from the Word by Arthur W. Pink. You can send for a copy of this booklet through Let the Bible speak. Take your pen paper now, we're we'll coming to our announcements, and may the Lord bless you through his word today. Again, thank you for listening to our broadcast here today. If you'd like to hear this program again, or if you would like information about our programming schedules across Canada on various stations, and if you would like the information on how to donate and support this ministry, go to our website, ltbs.ca. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you as again we let the Bible speak.
1: This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. There you can find a link to our Sunday services, That are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10:30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7:30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children. An adult Bible class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number, which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the Gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and His great salvation. And This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today and be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5am and 5pm and on Sundays at 9.30am on this station for full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.